You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Us or Classified podcast. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Please make sure to check out anchor.fm slash NEC podcast and make sure to subscribe on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play and Spotify and iHeartRadio. I also want to give a moment to promote our partners. You can go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners to check out all of our supporting partners, including the Haugen Consulting Group, RadRx, Project Resume, and so much more. Today on the podcast, I have back Glenn Kraus. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to our previous podcast episode that happened a few years ago, please check it out. Just like the last episode, he takes over this episode and shows his passion for clinical documentation integrity. On top of that, we talk about how the coronavirus has affected CDI departments, especially when we hear about furloughs and layoffs. It it begs the question, is CDI essential? So without further ado, here is my conversation with Glenn Kraus. Enjoy. But um, as you were saying... um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the last time that we talked, you you mentioned some, some stuff about uh, the, let's say, for example, the history of present illness, uh, yes. the review of symptoms, the physical exam, and those things I never really took. Like when I first listened, I mean, it was, when was the last time that we did this podcast? I think like 2017, 2018. Uh, two, wait, 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 hang on a second. 2000. 2017, because yeah, I, I was in Maryland then. Yeah, so it was a while back. And um, I didn't... September 2017, I believe. Right? Yeah, and when you talked about it initially, I didn't fully grasp it. Because back then, I was a CDI back in South Florida. And 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 as a CDI, I didn't truly grasp it. I was still in the mindset of like trying to figure out what I see in the assessment. You know, like the assessment, the diagnosis. And like, okay, they wrote it. It's good. Uh, but then it, when you told me that it didn't, you know, it's, it, it usually takes a while to, to let it sink in. I'm like, what did he mean by that? What did he mean by, I have to look at the physical exam. I never do. And I'm like, I started to, to like wonder what does that mean until I moved out of South Florida and move into the, into the auditing job where now I have to clinically support the diagnosis through that's the right. stuff and that you had piece. mentioned. Yeah. And Brian, that's the piece that's. Uh, and our point is that if you don't have a, if you don't have sufficient documentation of uh, acuity, clinical acuity, supporting medical necessity for hospital level of care, simply put, CDI does not matter, Brian. What simply to see CDI is not going to get involved because of, you know, how can you increase a case mix index on a case that you don't get paid on? Yeah. So. We have to get away from, we really must get away from CDI looking, uh, bypassing what needs to be in the chart on behalf of the patient by the physician mm. uh, before we even get into the mindset of CCs and MCCs. Yeah. And that's 
that is the piece that's missing is that we're not we're not looking uh at the clinical picture we're looking at the clinical picture brian from the perspective of do we have a diagnosis associated with treatment and uh, clinical indicators yeah what uh, you have you must have a record that has the story to support the diagnosis and the diagnosis must be supported by the story Perfect. because if you don't you're going to be denied I yep and that's that's what i that's what i i do now is is in the denials and i see it i see it anyways let, let me let me take a step back <laughs> Let's, yep. intro- let's introduce you, Glenn. So, okay, thank you. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to the Not Also Classified podcast. I actually called up Glenn Kraus. He's been a he's a previous uh, guest on the podcast, so this is a sequela episode. Uh, Glenn, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Brian. Great to be here. <laughs> I I just love your uh, podcast. They're really uplifting and enlightening. Now, what I remember last time, the last time you start, you did this podcast. Uh, I remember you. You took about fifteen. Minutes. You took fifteen minutes of the first episode, just yes. and you just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. Well, if so, you're passionate about something, you really want to to share your knowledge with other people. Exactly. And and when I I actually do a presentation on CDI, it's called the CDI mindset, and it's a culmination of of everybody that I talk to uh, in CDI, including yourself, Dr. Limhoko, Kelly Estes. Um, Dr. Zuane, everybody, and every time I get to your picture, there's a picture of you, by the way. Of um, oh yeah, yeah, I put a picture I, of you I in hope the presentation. It's, dope. it's not too ugly. <laughs> it's your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, that's okay. Yeah, Good. so I put it there, and I and I always start with, look at this guy right here. He is a firecracker for CDI. He is so passionate for CDI. If you ever watch him, I always promote your LinkedIn, by the way. If you're, oh, thank you very much, yeah. Brian. So every, so I said, check out his LinkedIn. Everything he writes, it's always with with such passion and CDI. And and, and they like, oh, really? So, you know, they want, you know, the people that I talk to uh, are mo- mostly, you know, like APC members, so they're like coders. So they're trying to get a gist of of understanding what it is to to understand the CDI aspect versus just coding from, you know, if you look at it, I always tell them, look, it's not about what's documented as a diagnosis. You have to look totally beyond that because they're like, they're always thinking, well, if it's documented, I have to code it. That's usually the foundation. But as far as a CDI is concerned, you know, they have to open it up a little bit more and talk about some of the things that you mentioned last time, the review of symptoms, the physical examination, the HPI, the chief complaint, everything has to be uh, brought together in order to support that diagnosis. They have to be really, Brian, they have to be aligned from the beginning. Yep. And uh, a lot of the a lot of the denials that I see, particularly clinical validation denials, mm-hmm. is because the clinical information, facts and context don't 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 line up with the diagnosis. I have one right here on my desk, right here, Brian. <laughs> you, you always do. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. I got it here right here. Go. Hold on, hold on. Here we go. Okay, here it is right here. Wait a minute. Where did I put it? Hold on. I got it right here. Okay, here's one, Brian, that was denied. Okay, it was denied. Uh, okay, uh, why was it denied? Because the severity of illness was not well captured in this chart. Uh, and if I can take a moment, it's only five sentences. This is really the crux of what CDI should be looking for in terms of insufficient documentation. Even before we get to the diagnosis, the clinical picture 
must be well executed. Not more. We don't need 20 pages of an H&P. The history of present illness is, is crucial. It's the beginning point of medical necessity. So history of present illness. There's only four sentences here. Patient complaining of shortness of breath for the past day. He has a history of recurrent COPD exacerbation and has been by seen by Dr. W multiple times. Dr. W is a pulmonologist. The patient states that he has been short of breath and came into the ER for further evaluation. He states that he had a fever but no chills. He complains of a cough with yellow-green sputum. Uh, during the ED workup, he was found to be flu, uh, uh, flu positive. Okay? That's the HPI. There's eight elements of an HPI, and you must have, the physician must uh, document at least four uh, to show, uh, describe, show, tell, and reflect the patient's story. That's what an HPI is. Now, okay, we don't know when it's, we, we know it's short of breath for the past day, Brian. Okay, he has a recurrent COPD exacerbation. Turns out this patient's still puff, smoking like a chimney. Okay. He has been short of breath. We don't know from the reader, doesn't the reader, I'm the reader, I'm the outside reviewer uh, from the insurance company. My goal is to receive whether this patient needs to be hospitalized based on what is told, okay? He has been short of breath, okay? We don't know how extent the short of breath is, okay? He came to the ER before the vac. What was the workup in the ER? We don't, we just need a summary assessment, not a recapitulation of every sentence. Don't copy and paste in the ER. Start out with Mrs. Jones presented to the ER at three o'clock in the morning uh, uh, with, uh, with a history of recurrent CBD exacerbation, uh, was just discharged a week ago with COPD exacerbation. Uh, turns out this patient, okay, wait a minute. This, the doctors, here's the kicker, okay? The doctor says, patient, listen to this, Brian, constitutional, alert, no acute distress, well noticed. Okay, now, wait a minute. We have as our diagnosis here, flu positive, uh, flu, your, your flu positive uh, infection start on Tamiflu. Okay, that's number one. Number two, acute exacerbation of COPD from flu will place on solumedrol, nebulizes O2. Pulmonary consult, uh, well known to patient, will decide uh, additional uh, uh, pulmonary management, okay? Now, here's the kicker. This patient is no acute distress because they're on uh, FI of O2 or 70% on a non-rebreather mass. That's why they're breathing with no distress because they got five liters, okay? Now, it turns out, if you, uh, I use this case uh, in a webinar I did on E&M standards of documentation, and I showed the second, uh, case number one was this case. Case number two, Brian, was uh, a similar case where it was a patient who was a COBD with chronic respiratory failure on two liters of oxygen, suddenly became short of breath. Uh, it was worsening, or it got so bad, the patient couldn't catch their breath turned up the oxygen, called 911, was brought in. They had a saturation of 85% in the ED. They put them on a non-rebreather. They gave you Ibisolumedrol. We have 92% saturation, pretty good with a patient, pink puffer, blue boater. And then the patient uh, desaturated back to 84, went to 84. Okay, now where did I get that? 
I found that in the console five hours, uh, five or six hours after the H&P, but that wasn't available to the case manager until the next, okay, came at nine o'clock at night. Okay, I lied. The consultant saw the patient seven o'clock the next morning because the, the documentation wasn't ready. So I called in and faxed to the, uh, sent in to the payer this documentation and they said, oh no, alert and oriented, no distress. Uh, and when I used these two case studies, I said at the, the second one, I said, folks, what do you think of the second one? Oh, that's a sick patient. I said to the people, oh, by the way, it's the same patient as the first one. Wow. Okay. It's, yeah. it's, okay so do you see the difference? Yeah. This yeah. was a pink puffer, blue boulder, chronic respiratory failure, still smoking, suddenly became short of breath, had 85% put on a non-rebreather, gave Salyamedrol. The patient was looking better, turning the turning the turning the cause course. Then suddenly dropped right back down to 84. Then they brought him in. Okay, absolutely, patient needs to be here, but not when you say no acute distress, yeah, alert, yeah. well nourished, well nourished. Well, they can be nourished, well nourished like that at home. Yeah, yep. Yeah, didn't mean. Oh, by, oh, by the way, the patient did have a. This was uh, this was listed in the ER that was not touched based on in the. Temperature of 101 in the ED. Okay, heart rate of 131. Respiratory rate of 24, and saturations down to 84 uh, percent uh, in the ED. And they, they only put like influenza and COPD. There's a lot more, you know. Yeah, influenza, flu, positive infection, start on Tamiflu. Cute COPD exacerbation from flu will pace on Cyamedrol. Oh, and then you said leukocytosis. The white count was third. Uh, wait. White count was 12.47 with 84 neutrophils. And he said, leukocytosis anticipate is worsening with steroids. Checks x-ray, no acute cardiopulmonary disease. Well, Brian, you know when doctor says no acute pulmonary disease uh, and they say uh, uh, concern for pneumonia and the lungs are clear. By the way, the lungs, the lungs were junky, uh, but the doctor didn't, didn't focus on that in his acute exacerbation. You see, one of the things, Brian, about a CDI is we have to look at the clinical rationale. That's the standard for doctors. They just can't throw down diagnosis with orders. They, they, the standard is to say acute exacerbation of COPD. Uh, can, uh, then I, they should have listed number three. Okay, acute on chronic respiratory failure uh, uh, on two liters of oxygen. Okay, number two, acute exacerbation of COPD currently currently in no distress managed on FiO2 or 70%. Number three, uh, 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 60 pack year history of smoking, still oh, yeah. smoking. Okay, mm -hmm. no, uh, number four, number four, uh, 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 patient. Frequent frequent admission uh, need to be sure a patient turns the corner because the patient has a history of uh, uh, bounce back uh, because we haven't stabilized the patient. Okay, that gives you a better picture, and that's not what that's not what CDI does. We're looking to see if the buzzwords are in the chart, yeah. and then mm -hmm. we move on to the next mm -hmm. case. We got to get it. We have to. What'd you call that, Brian? I I like to do a post tonight, and I'll give you credit. A CDI mindset. Is that what you said? Yeah, what you, you, call have to, it? you have to have a CDI mindset. And CDI mindset means going beyond the traditional clinical indicators. Going, really. beyond, what, going beyond what the doctor documents as a diagnosis. 
I think yeah. that that's important. You have to expand it. You have to expand it a little bit more. And to what you just talked about, I mean, we and I mentioned earlier, like when I first was, you know, starting in CDI, that's that wasn't what I looked. That's not what I looked at because that's no, not- and you know, and and now you, I think after my podcast, now that you're uh, kind of uh, moved away from direct CDI, that's what your mindset is. Am yeah. I correct, yeah. Brian? Yeah. You're looking to see whether whether I have a clinical. Does the clinical picture fit the diagnosis? Is that would that say it in a nutshell? Yeah, and usually you 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 say some terms like uh, you know chasing the CCs, chasing chasing the HCCs. I think that's the one yes. that I referenced. And that's that's I think when you when you start off being trained that way, it's hard. I, it's seriously hard to shift your mindset into not looking just at the diagnosis, but then also expanding out. Uh, you know, what we just talked about earlier, more than what it was just documented. How did the patient present? Does everything fit in the piece of the puzzle of the clinical indicators for this diagnosis? That's the That's thing. right. Uh, I think it goes back to Brian. I can't, I can't stress this enough. The clin- oh, I, gotta, I have it right here. Make the patient congruent. We should be working with physicians as facilitators in communication of patient care, not CCMCC capture queens or kings. We should be facilitators in communication of patient care and help physicians grasp the concept, become work smarter, not harder. Uh, uh, and you can do that. You can document a lot more efficiently, particularly the history of present illness, uh, and start off with the patient's acuity and make the patient congruent with the diagnosis. This, this time, at this gesture, the doctor wrote, alert only times three and no current distress, well-nourished. That's not congruent with a diag. So what does the outside reviewer say? Sorry, we don't see no COBD. <laughs> That's and the, right. And the, and the doctor wrote it. Mm-hmm. It's in the chart. The patient's got it, but not from the clinical picture. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's and how so, it's so, so what we're doing is handicapping ourselves, and then we get a denial, and we're trying to make we're trying to make a a uh, uh, a filet mignon out of day old markdown 80 uh, uh, uh hamburg meat, you know. Fifty percent off. Buy today. Expires yeah. tomorrow. It, okay. It, it's a losing battle for the the denial co- coordinators that work for the hospital because oh, unlike you know if they if they especially if if they're just I guess they're, if their background is just coding, it's going to be a difficult war because or, the, or if their background is CDI, okay how uh, how do you defend? Or substantiate a diagnosis that that's been denied by the payer, mm-hmm. and they point to this information yep. of no acute distress. Yep. You lost. How are you going to win? Checkmate. That's it. Checkmate. You can't. You can't win. That's not a winnable case. Yeah, that hard. should have been inpatient. Mm-hmm. It's now. It's now observation. That's painful. Yeah. And think about this, Brian. Think about this. Hospitals are spending an estimated two hundred and four billion dollars. And uh, in the two months, Mar- I say, let's see, uh, the end of March to the end of June, estimated two hundred and oh, what two hundred two billion dollars in cost associated with uh, treating COVID patients. That means you know PPE equipment, ventilators, oxygen, uh, 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 staffing takes more staffing because you you can't have one nurse managing ten patients. Okay, two uh, and and so. That's why, Brian, we need to get out of this mindset of chasing CCs and MCCs because 
uh, it's not just means touching a record. We have to be sure the record speaks for itself because hospitals are in a tough financial situation, particularly rural community hospitals and critical access. They don't have a lot of cash on hand to begin with. And now that we cut the surgeries down to 80% of what the surgeries were, they have no cash, no cash flow. I know a hospital in Kentucky. Last month, they had they spent $6 million more than they took in. $6 million. That's not a recipe for staying in business. And now as we get more surgeries, now we're opening up surgeries, Brian. Do you agree that we just we have to change our outlook and be sure we have good documentation of medical necessity? Um, uh, medical necessity is the overarching principle of should be the overarching principle of documentation improvement. So I guess let's shift gears now into the Corona stage. Like, what do you see now as far as CDI? Because I know you've mentioned in your podcast, which we'll be talking about in a second, Wiser Wednesday. Uh, but what do you see? in the current state of CDI in, in now with the coronavirus? Uh, well, I think the coronavirus has obviously sidelined, sidelined a lot of people, furloughed a lot of, I know several, I know at least 10 CDI that are not working or have had their hours reduced from 40 to 20. I know in Boston, there were uh, 27 CDI uh, that were given a choice at a teaching hospital, go to the floor or be furloughed. That's the choice they had, okay? And so where do I see CDI? I, I, I see CDI uh, 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 having to, uh, uh, in, um, uh, um, being, being a requirement to keep our jobs, to keep, to see the, see the profession as not a job, but as a career, a calling, that this should be a wake up call for CDI that, because we've been designated as an unessential healthcare provider. Why is that? Because we haven't demonstrated the value we bring to the table. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a task. We're not manufacturers. Unfortunately, the KPIs and the processes we have in place, they relegate us to taskmasters. We got to review 25, 20 to 25 cases. We have to achieve a 30% query rate. We have to, we have to have, we have to uh, 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 strive for 85% uh, response rate. Okay. Those are measurable. You can push a button on a software program and figure that out. What you can't push a button with is the quality of the documentation, the quality of the H and P as we just read, right? You can't put that. Uh, and so uh, I'm calling on CDI to recognize that our old ways of conducting business are no longer sufficient. Uh, uh, in order to uh, enhance the profession and increase the value to we provide to our organization, we must, we cannot overlook the necessity to better our education, better our knowledge of documentation insufficiency. What is documentation insufficiency, Brian? How do you define it? Can you recognize it? Can you, what do you, if you recognize what's missing, uh, do you have the skill set to address it with the physician? Do you, uh, you know, it's easy to write a query, Brian, to say, I see X, Y, and Z, you gave this treatment, 
uh, and then give three or four choices, unable to determine, clinically insignificant. That's task-based. It's role-based. It takes a totally different skill set to be able to work with physician to say, Dr. Brian, uh, Dr. Brian, uh, great documentation. I'd like to give you a tidbit or can you help me out? Can you help me help your patient? So the case manager can do the best job they can for the optimal level of care with the patient's yeah. uh, uh, accurate financial responsibility because observation and inpatient have two different financial yeah. repercussions for patients. So it's changing our mindset. Would you call it a CDI a mindset? CDI mindset. Uh, our mindset has to change. We cannot wait the day after the patient comes in and look at an H&P and try to retroactively, re- reactionary, repetitively try to secure a diagnosis it's too late. Yeah. The clinical picture may not be supported. So that's scary where, where you mentioned, um, cause I, cause from what I got from what you're saying is, is that you hear people, you hear CDIs being furloughed, reducing hours. So, so basically up until this point, um, but you know, since the inception or whatever, their beginning of CDI for that facility up until now, they haven't shown their worth to the to the C-suite. No, have they? I don't think they have. To the point where, like, if something that's catastrophic happens, such as this, they make the decision. Well, you know what? CDA is not is not really something that we want to have on our budget. Let's let's cut that down. They're non-essential. Okay. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. So, and so once 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 you once you're not doing CDI, well, you we we furloughed you, and let's say some of them are two months now. What March and April, right? They started mm-hmm. in March, mm-hmm. right, Brian? Yeah. Okay, so now I know people are still on the sidelines. They're still not working. That's two months. We're going on three months. February, March, April, we're at what? Almost halfway through May. And so my concern is if if the hospital gotten, has gotten away or has survived without CDI, are they going to bring back all these CDI? That's why I did a post. Uh, as we return to normalcy, where does CDI stand That's in the normal? That's scary, yeah. Let's take a moment for a quick break. And now back to our show. Because you see it now, like especially with the with the restaurants doing online orders, um, all of the online shopping, it's the same way with CDI. Like if they just said flip the switch, well, we didn't need CDI then. What makes us now need CDI now? And that is something scary. So moving on forward, I think CDI directors, managers, professionals need to turn it up a notch and, and show the worth and not just be, again, as you mentioned, just the task, like not showing like, oh, we could do a good job because we, we post a lot of queries. But I think, you know, I think in your podcast episodes that we're going to release in the next coming weeks, the topic of CDI advancement uh, always comes into play and, and, and how we can do that once we come back after this COVID-19 business. Yeah. Uh, and Brian, you saw... You know, I was talking to my colleagues, Dr. Uh, Jake Martin and Dr. John uh, uh, Zellum and Ernie from Finally Friday and Top Gun. I'm a co-founder of Top Gun. And we had a conversation this morning uh, about 9 o'clock, and we were talking about this information, these articles we're seeing in different publications about advanced CDI or new CDI uh, uh, KPIs. It's the same old thing. It's nothing new. Uh, uh, 
uh, I, I saw one one CDR leader say they have a new measure. It's uh, it's something like okay, depending on what you, what your role is, say CFO is looking for money. The quality is looking for quality. It's what it's what they want to take out of the chart. And our, my my take and our physician and Ernie's take is it's not. I said it's not what you take out of the chart. It's what you put in the chart. It's not. Okay, we're not like okay. We're getting the CC, but we're taking out of the chart uh, these CC measures so we can say we did we improved the documentation. That's not taking something out of the chart. It's helping to put something in the chart, like this case study. We can help physician uh, uh, orchestrate a much clearer picture of the history of present illness. That's putting something in the chart. We're going to get a lot more out of the chart if we work on what's going in the chart because case mix index is only good as to what the payers pay you. And if you get a denial, via validation denial, medical necessity denial six months later, a clinical validation denial or GRD downgrade eight months later, well, why should we be getting credit for increasing reimbursement when it didn't happen? It didn't, it didn't turn into reality. So let's increase our worth. Let's, let's, you know, I have three KPIs I would like to mention, Brian. Tell me what you think. Number one is net case mix index. That means, uh, Brian, we take our case mix index for, let's say, February. Then, then during the month of Feb, so we, we measure it in March. Then we take out all the cases in February, in March, where we didn't get paid or uh, because they're, they're questioning a, an acute encephalopathy or they're questioning acute respiratory failure. We ought to back out those CCs and MCC increases and take it out of our net case mix index for February, I think, a gross, and say, okay, we reported a 2.5. Now we had 20 denials for sepsis. Uh, now they want to pay us for UTI. Now our case mix index is 2.3. Okay, that's a better a, a, a better a proxy for documentation improvement. The se second uh, uh, KPI should be Brian. Second KPI should be uh, number of cases uh, reviewed uh, 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 where we did not get paid. As we as we thought, so number of cases that we touched, uh, and we didn't get paid the amount that we were billed. Medical necessity denial, uh, uh, DRG downgrade, clinical validation denial. Then the third one should be the number of cases we reviewed and left a query for clarification of a principal, clarification of a secondary, clarification of a CC or MCC, and we didn't get paid. For, uh, based on that information that was charted in the query, well, we should take that out because we're saying to our CFO, hey, we left a 30% query rate. We captured, uh, CCMC capture rate is now 80% or 78%. We started out 74% four months ago. Case mix is up 0.05%. But what we're not telling them is we're paying out the wazoo to appeal them. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and, 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 it, and it and it really impacts the cost to collect because if I have to if I have to wait three months to do three appeals, Brian, or uh, or two appeals, and I finally win, okay, Just well, blew a bunch of time. 
uh, time value of money, 7,000, 10,000 today, uh, uh, two months later, it's not worth 10,000. Yep. I could have had two months so ago. You just, they, the money, you just depreciated the reimbursement right there. <laughs> right, and, and, and it increases our cost to collect because we have to pay someone. We have to pay someone to copy the record. We have to pay someone to, to put it in an envelope and mail it. Then we have to have someone review the case and put an appeal letter together. A lot of hospitals outsource and pay two fifty to three hundred dollars an appeal, wow. or they have some where the company takes twenty five to thirty percent of what's collected. Wow. Okay, so let's say it's denied. Uh, the CC or MCC adds another four or five ten thousand dollars if it's a surgery case. Jeez. And and uh, we have someone do our appeal and we win, so we get the full additional ten thousand dollars. They take thirty percent of yep. that, Brian. Yeah. The it, the, so, the 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 reimbursement is muddied. It's a. Uh, it's- <laughs> and not only that, Brian. You're right. Well, uh, Medicare only pays if you're lucky. 25 or 30 percent of charges so now <laughs> if you had a ten thousand dollar case medicare may pay you if you're lucky seven or six thousand and now you paid someone three thousand to uh, you take someone 25 or 30 percent uh reimbursement right off the top to give to the com- company that does the appeal now i'm taking three thousand away now i'm only with four thousand yeah Okay. Meanwhile, our costs are probably about three or four thousand, so we're breaking even. Yeah. That's not a good business model. No. <laughs> no. Sign me up for that. Sign me up for that company. No way. Oh my god. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's 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 a harsh reality right there. And I I, I think that's that's a big um, a big eye opener for CDI metrics. It's not just based upon the result of the queries up until the time that the physician answers it. It should, what are the outcomes? What yeah, are the outcomes? It should extend out with the revenue cycle. It should keep on going uh, to the point of denial if it, that's you why, truly yep. get your money in your pocket. That's why I'm calling it net case mix index, mm-hmm. and, I'm call, and, I'm, and I'm referring to it as, okay, uh, we, have, we have to have a delayed KPI measure, okay? You can't say, I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with the KPIs today, but they shouldn't be our primary ones. They should not be. It we should, should be have. We, we should expand them to say, okay, a trailing. Let's have some trailing KPIs uh, every month. Uh, and, and so we can use that as a stepping stone for continuous quality improvement. If my CFO says that, hey, wait a minute, you touched 30 cases. You told me that you increased reimbursement might be this percentage. But three months later, we're not getting the money. CDI, need to need, you need to change your processes. This is not yeah. working for me. And they report uh, like on a month-to-month basis as far as I do. know in CDI program, not, not long-term or the result thereafter. They don't follow up with that. Like, like, no, they don't. Here's what happened. Now it's June. Here's what actually happened. Here's the actual result from March minus all of the denials that came back. That's correct, yeah. Brian. Wow. I think there's a lot... There's a lot that CDI must embrace, and we're stuck. We're stuck into the dinosaur ages of CDI, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I don't that. see uh, Brian. Let me ask you a question: mm-hmm. Do you see CDI ever changing their processes? I'm, 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 I'm seeing a slow. I'm working with Top Gun and Core CDI in my podcast like this, Brian. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. Do you ever? Do you? Do you? Do you envision a profession that uh, ultimately? sees the handwriting on the wall and urgently t- 
takes action. Do you do you see that day of reckoning? No, they're very. Um, they're hold. They they hold on to what they know, and they're afraid or they're not willing to try new things. You know what I'm talking about? Like what you mentioned. Like if you if you how many people how many facilities you know of implement your KPIs or extend out from the regular query rate to beyond to looking at the denial rate one, in association with I know one, I know one Brian. Yeah? One. One. Yeah. <laughs> one hospital. <laughs> uh, that's a hospital with that where I used to work out in uh, in the southwest. I I did not believe I did not believe in I, I could, Brian. I if I um, as a CDI manager, I I take pride in my work, uh, and, uh, and I'm very passionate about what I do, and you know what I accomplish. And quite frankly, as a CDI revenue cycle professional, with doing being in this field for since 1994, even before it was referred to as CDI, I cannot consciously go into my CFO once a month. And give them these KPIs that uh, are, 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 are not valid. They're not reliable. You're lying. To not, you're lying through your teeth to the CFO. <laughs> Just to hold uh, your job. <laughs> well, I want. I, I I would say misrepresent. Oh, okay. <laughs> misrepresent. Is a, I think is a politically correct yeah, way of saying that. it. It's it's misrepresenting the performance of the program. There and you I, go. Quite frankly. Uh, I, I quite frankly cannot misrepresent the success yeah, of my program. Yeah, there you go. Good word. Uh, and 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 my my goal was to work. Uh, you know, you know what's interesting, Brian. You asked is that you know CDI. Uh, uh, I was I was uh, uh, first of all the Southwest is kind of a hot. I live in northern Vermont. I just came back from walking. Yeah, uh, it was uh, what was it? Uh, Yesterday, when I came walking my five miles, it was 25 degrees with the wow. wind chill. Okay, now I'm a cold man. Mm-hmm. I like 10 and 20 below. Mm-hmm. Uh, prefer that over 120 Oof. degrees temperature in the southwest and dry heat. Uh, but I moved out there because it was a great opportunity. I was te- I was asked to uh, to take a program, blow it up, and start all over again. Okay, and I said, "Well, what would you like?" And they say, "You tell us. We give you the resources." Uh, and quite exciting to me because at first I CDI was was a little apprehensive about changing, getting out of their comfort box. Okay, uh, once they saw uh, how to review a case in five minutes or less, conduct a thorough, then get on the floor and start talking to residents. They didn't want. They did not want to be stuck in a room. They didn't. They were saying, okay. Uh, uh, we had our, our CDI people working with our residents in the trauma service, trauma surgery. Okay, uh, uh, they wanted uh, the, the service said, "Okay, come two days a week." Our people wanted to come on the floor five days a week. Why? Because it gave them so much great satisfaction to see the residents say, "Oh, wait a minute, uh, 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 we're, we're we're not capturing this in a way that can be." translated into a diagnosis both both for the hospital and the physician because one of the uh, one of the one of the principles of CDI is our constituents not our customer because I don't believe that physicians are customers they're our constituents we work together so if I can help them in their practice of medicine we've not 
not telling them how to practice, obviously, but how to report their practice. That allows them to bill E&Ms appropriately because it's the same documentation. That's why we had our E&M webinar last week with Heidi Hillstrom uh, uh, running a great program in um, Minnesota and Dr. Zellum and Dr. Martin because we all commented about uh, how we can embrace and engage physicians, letting them understand we can help you work smarter, not harder, uh, and, and tighten up your documentation so you can help your patient get the right level of care with the right uh, reason, with the right documentation. Less is better. Uh, and oh, by the way, optimally bill your E&M because I want physicians to get paid for of the course. work they perform. Of course, right? They deserve it. I don't want them to get. A, I don't want them to get a penny more than or a penny less. If you if you document for medical necessity for the work that you did and show the patient's needs and how your work met the patient's needs, okay, in the hospital, then you can you can optimally confidently sign an E and M. Well, level one, two, or three in the initial, one, two, or three for your subsequent, your level one or two for E and uh, discharge. If we have that knowledge to make that connection between not telling them how to bill, but identifying shortcuts that are detrimental to their practice uh, in terms of billing and coding, to their case managers being able to affect the right level of care, to be able to assign medical necessity because they control medical necessity, not the insurance companies. And we have good continuity of documentation. We're going to get the outcomes of optimal case mix. We're going to get optimal CC, MCC capture, less financial risk, more compliance, uh, and better outcomes as opposed to artificially trying to jack up your case mix with queries. It's, an, it's a substitute. It's a stopgap measure that has no longevity. So as you stop querying, Brian, what happens to your diagnoses? It should get better, <laughs> hopefully. But, if, yeah, oh, but, but now, nowadays, it's because it's task-based. We stop querying. Yeah. Doctors stop writing. You see that. Oh, Don't okay, you okay. see that, correct, Brian? Correct, 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 correct. Yeah. They, they, In your they, practice they're, of they're, CDI, do you see that? They're they're self-reliant on on getting the query to document better. Is that what you're trying to say? Versus yeah, yeah, and, for, and physicians tell me, Brian, just tell me what to write. Yeah. Did you ever when you were practicing CDI? <laughs> yeah. Did any physicians tell you? Just tell just me. Tell me Forget these queries. I don't want these pesky queries. Tell me what diagnosis yeah. I should write. Yeah. Get yeah. My that's back. a shame. That's a shame. You know, I had one doctor say, just tell me what to write so I can get the fleas off my back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fleas. Why not? We want to be thought of as fleas, Brian? No. We're not fleas, mm -hmm. are we? No. I had one doctor say, just tell me what to write so I can get by the monkey off my back. Yeah. It's it's a shame. That's That shows that we haven't created value to our physicians. I mean, I just had a physician yesterday, doctor, uh, uh, one physician up in Arizona say, uh, I sh he said, I said, I, he called me back about nine o'clock. He said, uh, of course, that's six o'clock his time. And he said, hey, sorry, I missed your call. I said, where are you at today? Were you working? Yeah, I was in the COVID unit. 
Oh, gee, that's too bad. Then I said, any COVID patients? Yeah, we had about five. I had my, I was dressed head to toe. So far, so good. I said, are you still getting queries? I'm still getting queries. Then he, then he said, what, it would have been nice before the epidemic if we were educated and taught and uh, shown how to document more effectively so I have less queries right now and I could do it right the first time. What do you tell me? Do it right. The, so I would do it right the first time, all the time, every time. And we don't have that approach. Our CDI case. Uh, educating through queries. That's what they're queries, doing. Queries, yeah. And if you measure, Brian, if you measure product, uh, your worth based on the number of queries, your query rate should be going down. I once wrote a blog, Brian, uh, uh, a query rate of 30%, it means you got a defect rate of 30%. <laughs> that means you yeah. got 30%. <laughs> Think about That's it. That's true. Uh, Brian, if you, uh, if, you work, if, you're making, if you're making refrigerators, uh, do you, uh, if you are making refrigerators, let's say a Manor, uh, 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 Wolf, uh, you know, high-end mm -hmm. uh, uh, appliances, uh, if you had a 30% defect rate shipping things out the door with 30% defect rate, you wouldn't stay in business. Or people kept on calling you, like uh, if if uh, if you kept on getting out of a hundred thirty percent of those uh, customers keep on calling you back about you know how to work the the refrigerator because the instructions oh, were not oh, it's done not right. Working. Yep. It's, it's or, or the piece of uh, or the the uh, the uh, the uh, compressor broke after a month or the or the or it overheated or the freezer stopped blowing cold air. People w would call. You have to pay warranty work. And so think about it. We're having the right queries. That's that's avoidable cost. Uh, uh, it should be. I don't think a query rate, Brian, should be more than three or four percent. I once had a guy. I once had a CFO interview in New York City for a CDI manager. He asked me about queries. Say, well, what what would you like to know? He says, should our query rate be going down, up, or staying the same? And I said, well, it depends. That all depends on the. Uh, on your, your nature of your program, your where are you in the in the growth of your program and your maturity? He said, "Well, uh, we're pretty mature. Should the rate be going down, staying the same, or going up?" And I said, "They uh, they are in doubt. If the program's successful, the rate should be going down." Well, Brian, I don't think that's the answer that he wanted because I didn't get the job off. <laughs> <laughs> I got to thank you for coming in from New York, from Vermont. Appreciate you coming in. We just decided to go with another person. Probably didn't like my answer. Query rate should be going down. It should be. I mean, when truth. you were CDI, Brian, didn't you get kind of tired of leaving mm -hmm. a query for heart failure every day? Yeah. Doctor so-and-so noticed that the patient became sudden florid CHF with uh, gasping for air. He gave a 160 uh, IV uh, Lasix, strict measurement of urine output, another 80, a couple of chest x-rays. Can you tell me if there's any clinical significance? Okay. Two days later, you're asking him the same thing. Now, Really? Well, he did. Why? Why is that? Because he doesn't know, undoubtedly, why. What's in it for him? Why? Uh, physicians want to avoid queries, but if you don't, if you don't indicate the clinical significance and the importance, what? It, how does it help case management? Get additional days for continued stay. How does it help you are? How does it help length of stay measures? How does it help E and M assignment? What's in it for you? Uh, 
they're not going to remember. Physicians are not dumb people. They're, they have a strong analytical skills. They can figure it out. But if you don't, if you don't point them in the right direction, we're going to be asking for queries every day. Doctor so and so. I mean, that, I was a CDI. I still do CDI. I can't get. I can't imagine every doing this full time asking the same query. It's like, uh, 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 really? The doctor doesn't yeah. understand that that you don't admit patients for stable CHF. You put down CHF. Uh, who wants to pay for a stable condition? I don't want to pay. Would you? No. Mm-mm. So let's talk about um, your podcast now. Now, before we get into the podcast, you've you've been creating podcasts since our our initial uh, podcast episode. So why is it that you've started to create your own podcast episodes? Well, I I want to make it more formal, Brian. Uh, and and uh, in the last few months, I've done a lot of uh, some podcasts on my own, but I really wanted to have a theme to it. Wiser Wednesdays. I want I, I want people to have a reason to come up with interesting, thought provocative topics. My goal is to embrace new ideas, continually new ideas that CDI as a profession should be at least thinking about, at least entertaining. I I I, I I'm I'm appealing. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm submitting to CDI leadership that uh, the old days of, th- of task-based leadership, ensuring that we meet our KPIs, that's, that's, it's reached its milestone. It's reached its shelf life. We have to be embracing uh, CDI leadership that's visionary, that's, uh, that's thought provocative, that's outside the norm, uh, and I've asked a couple of my uh, 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 revenue cycle uh, professionals, VP of revenue cycle, why is it that CDI is going down the same path? Everyone's following the herd. And the response was, Brian, I'm not sure how you feel, that the most of the CDI leadership has risen through the ranks. And I'm not trying to be negative, but they don't know any better. This is what they know. This is what they've done for years. So my goal in creating Wiser Wednesday is to invite inspiring uh, professionals in the revenue cycle. I think our first one is uh, Heidi Hillstrom, runs a great program. Uh, if she thinks outside the box, uh, I just talked to her last night. Uh, her, she calculated her query rate to be about 3%, Brian. Her doctors are writing this. That wow. leaves her with more Amazing. time to uh, focus on, you know, the documentation of medical necessity. Because if you're focusing on queries day in and day out, that does not leave you any time to spread your wings. Uh, so I want I want CDI leadership to be able to listen to these podcasts as well as CDI professionals, as well as, as expiring coders who want to get in, or HIM professionals to get into CDI to listen to these ideas, to be able to be a springboard. Hey, wait a minute. Um, we, we, need, uh, 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 we need to come up with a way to convince our CDI uh, administration that CDI can do much more. I want them to, to be able to listen to these podcasts and be a call to action, not simply rehashing the same old things. Engagement of physicians, CCMC capture rate, oh uh, no. You want to listen to that? Go find that information elsewhere. And we have Dr. We have Dr. Uh, my good colleague, Dr. Terrence Governor of Clinton 
uh, we're going to be doing a, a uh, podcast on what does it take for CDI to take the, the reins by the horn and move in the right direction uh, to spearhead our, our programs to truly make a difference? Because leaving queries, what did he say yesterday in his podcast? That's old. That's uh, that's last year's buzzword. This year is going to be different. And I'm hoping that people will see the light uh, take into account uh, uh, the COVID-19 and how we were sidelined, a lot of our uh, good friends and colleagues, and that way it's time for change. Change doesn't mean finding new ways to leave queries or trying to to uh, create new templates for doctors so they can check off things in the uh, post-surgery. No, it's helping them become better communicators. Clinical documentation excellence is what we should be striving for. So that's my long-winded reason why I want to call this Wiser Wednesday, because <laughs> I want people to be attuned to reality and a call to action, not talk about it, call to action and, and and thank you, Glenn, for having me be oh, part no, of Wiser you, Wednesday because you actually have me as the producer. Yeah, uh, this, this is going to be good. Yeah. So he, and Brian, uh, I know you're going to be helping out with the uh, uh, production. So thank you, Brian. You do a great job with what's it? Not, not elsewhere classified. Mm-hmm. And you have what's you, is another one that you do now? Yeah, I have one for my kids, but that's coming up. But then this one's now part of our Medical Coding Geek Network Wiser Wednesday. Uh, so I've been had the opportunity to do some editing, sound engineering, and I've listened and to thank those. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've listened to this the episodes. This is going to be good, folks. I've listened to those uh, episodes that you guys sent that you sent to me, and it's a it's an eye opener, especially the one with uh, Heidi. That the, yeah. the information that you'll get from there when we'll release that soon, uh, you'll get a good understanding of how you can. Again, the idea that we talked about earlier is advancing CDI. Uh, how can you, especially in the idea of now where, you know, CDI looks is being looked at as a non-essential, being furloughed, CDI is not having jobs. How do you, from then on moving forward, kind of prove yourself in the healthcare industry? And I think the first two podcasts alone episodes uh, with Heidi and Dr. Govender should be a good eye, eye opener. I'm hoping it is, Brian, and I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope I didn't go overboard. I'm really pumped up. Uh, I got a couple of uh, I got a couple of uh, ideas for pod for our LinkedIn post. Uh, yeah. Uh, from our discussion, I'm gonna. Uh, and I'm you could gonna, turn them uh, into uh, you could turn them into Wiser Wednesday podcast. By the way, so anytime you want to so record too. them, I yeah. I love this idea. Yeah. I love the idea in closing, Brian. I love the idea of the CDI mindset. Uh, the CDI mindset isn't clinical indicators per se. It's being able to be a detective. You know, CDI people in closing here, CDI people say they're detectives. Yes, you're the detective in identifying missing diagnosis. Before we even get to the diagnosis, we must have the skill sets and the wherewithal and the knowledge base and the and the commitment to identifying uh, being a uh, detective and identifying insufficiencies ahead of time proactively so we don't we, we don't get the same denials. We're not asking for the same query. We're not getting as many clinical validation denials. We're, we're, we're reducing our, our, uh, 
uh, level of care downgrades, we say it's inpatient. Insurance company wants to pay for observation. The majority of those are due to poor documentation. The name of our profession is clinical documentation improvement slash integrity. Let's put some meaning to those words. So there you have it. That is Glenn Krauss. Again, thank you, Glenn, for being part of the podcast. You can listen to Wiser Wednesdays Experience Speaks by going to anchor.fm slash Wiser Wednesday. That podcast was released two weeks ago, if I believe. And the next episode with Terrence Govender should be releasing next week. Also, speaking of CDI and diversity and being essential, I want you to take your direction to another podcast episode. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by the American Health Information Management Association. They actually call it the High Pitch Podcast. Check out the most recent episode with Annie Pang Yuan. Uh, She talks about her experience in getting hired as a CDI without a BSN or an RN. As she states, it struck a nerve for me. it, It totally hits home because I have experienced that. Uh, in the past few years and I've been very vocal on LinkedIn so please check out that episode medicalcodinggeek.com